Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. This is Friday, April 24th, 2020. I am Andrew Hansen, and I am very happy to be joined by Santino Cocone. And really, this is, what is this? Uh, Finn's Friday is what I'm going to call it. Because <laughs> uh, I know that you are excited. You're very excited about what happened last night. You got Tua. So tell me how good you're feeling here on this Friday. Um, I'm feeling probably the best I felt towards the NFL in ever. Um, <laughs> I know that we talked about it before, right before we came on. You saw me in my Dolphins gear. Um, yeah, there's no more Tom Brady in this division. Oof, finally. And then we got we got our guy. Uh, I, was, I was hoping it was going to happen. I was getting a little nervous. The closer it got to draft time, the more nervous I got. But when I heard his name called last night, I, I kind of lost it. And I'm just I'm, – I feel real zen today. Oh, I feel real zen. Beautiful it's a thing. Great feeling. I'm happy for you. All those smoke, all those smoke screens that were going out middle of the week about trading up to third to get an offensive lineman. I mean, how nervous were you there at the middle of the week? I kept hearing it, and people kept asking me. And my only thing was, I think it's a smoke screen, and I hope it's a smoke screen, like you mentioned. Um, I know the first player that the Dolphins tried to get in for an interview before everything got shut down was Tua, and I was just going off that. And the whole this was. They basically had the season, was tanking for Tua, and if it wasn't going to come to Tua, it was just going to be really upset. And then when I saw that the Lions made their pick, and they pretty quickly too, right. and then once once the uh, the Giants it said pick is in, I said, oh, thank you, thank you. And then I was just hoping if they said Justin Herbert, I was going to be very upset. <laughs> but uh, right when I heard the T come out of Goodell's mouth, I, I went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And you got to be excited too, because it was a, a fun first round. They also got an uh, alignment and a cornerback, right? So yeah, um, you know, very they, good first round. Yeah, exciting future for you guys. They added a fourth round pick just to move back a couple spots and get a guy that wasn't going to get drafted in between anyway. Who look whose whose parents are both uh, Olympic track athletes, so that's exciting. Yeah, seriously, there's there's some speed for you. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you've got your Dolphins gear on in honor of Tua. And I've got this crown on for three different <laughs> reasons. So I'm going to I'm going to list those off here. Number one is this is, of course, the day that you can actually start investing in DraftKings. They went public and they've got the uh, the crown, of course, as part of their logo and they're trading on the Nasdaq. You can get them for about twenty dollars a share. So we're going to have to start thinking about investing in DraftKings. Uh, that's number one. Number two is we've got the Kansas City Royals today as we continue through our two Major League Baseball teams per day. Santino is going to break down the Twins for us today. I've got the Kansas City Royals, and they, of course, have always had a crown as part of their logo. And then finally, Santino, I am still atop the standings <laughs> for the DFS Coach Talk uh, challenge that we're running here. We're in, we're in segment three of the challenge and I've, I've picked up three wins here, so I'm going to wear this thing as long as I can, especially on this DraftKings Day and, and the Royals Day. Yeah, that's a great crown, and you won last night, too. So you not only were in the lead before that, but you're you're just extending it. That's right. That's right. I'm <laughs> feeling good. I'm sort of – I've got the zen feeling with these uh, these simulations like you do with Tua. It's a zen uh, Friday, I think. It's, I it's think a zen, both of us. It's a zen Friday, no <laughs> doubt. So um, if you're new to the podcast – uh, check us out at dfscoachtalk.com, and you can be you can become a member, and you can join us in these simulation challenges that we're doing for fun. And as we usually mention, we have these weekly, monthly, and yearly memberships, and they're all going to be frozen until we get baseball or basketball up and running again. So uh, come come join, be a member, uh, you get into our Discord and and, and chat um, about everything from the NFL draft to you know, spring training, getting back up and running, you know, even talking about a little uh, little horse racing every now and then. So mm-hmm. uh, that would be great. And then in terms of Twitter, uh, go give uh, Santino a follow. Santino, you, you've gotten so good at reading off your, your Twitter. I'm going to let you do it. <laughs> but my Twitter name is, is my name, at Santino Cacone, <laughs> S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. And you can find me on Twitter at Language Olympic. All right, so let's get into it here, Santino. Um, first question of the day: You've got the Minnesota Twins. Are they going to get to 100 wins again this year? I think it's very likely. The one question I have on them is that pitching staff. But this lineup, 
went through a ton of injuries last year uh, from pretty much everybody in their lineup, and they still led the league in home runs at 307. And they added Josh Donaldson this year, another power bat who, who bounced back after a couple injury plague down years, hit over 30 home runs. I don't know if 300 home runs is a realistic again because that's just to two years in a row that very happens barely ever. But um, I mean, they're going to be among the top five probably again in home runs. And if this lineup hits like they did last year and everybody stays healthy, this division is you, know, you have the the Royals. Eh, sorry, sorry. I know you're, we're going to talk to them later, but they're not good. Uh, the the Tigers, they're not good. The Indians just lost their ace, two aces in the last year and a half. Um, I mean, they're they're pretty good lineup. They they're going to be give um, the Twins the run for their money still, but I don't think there's anything special there right now. And then the White Sox, they're still very young and raw, so we don't know what they're going to be. The Twins are. Definitely the favorites for this division. 90 wins seems very likely. 100, maybe not again, but I think they're going to win this division. Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned all those home runs, and it almost seems unfair for a team that <laughs> hit they hit 307 home runs, and now they get Donaldson in, in there, who hit 37 yeah. last year. Man, they just hit home runs left and right. Yeah, and it, some of them came out of nowhere, like Mitch Garver. Uh, he was he was a big stats analytics guy, uh, very good on that, but he hit over 30 home runs. Uh, Eddie Rosario hit over 30. Uh, Maxi Max Kepler hit over 30. I don't breakout year. It's I don't know if they'll all do that again, but I mean the the potential's there. Yeah, I couldn't believe Garver did hit, hit his 31 homers and only 311 at bats. Yeah, that's just absurd. So it's um, a no hit over 30 in 105 games. Nelson Cruz only played 100 and something games and he hit a 41. Just mm. the ageless wonder, Nelson Cruz. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> right. Well, where do you want to start here? You want to start with the pitchers, or you want to get into this uh, this lineup? Yeah, this lineup is is the meat of the team, so I'm going to save them for for next. But uh, okay. we hit on a few names already. But let's go straight to the pitching staff. Uh, we'll start with their ace, Jose Barrios. I really like this kid. He's gotten he's slight improvements every year. He hasn't made that leap yet. Former top prospect, top ten prospect. Um, last year was the first year that he went over 200 innings pitched. The year before that was a little over 190. But he's he has he's a legit ace in this league, and I think he's going to make. We thought last year was going to be the leap, and he started off hot. He the he ever the last couple of years in his career, uh, ever since he's been on the Twins, he hits those rough rough patches every every month or so, every couple um, a few logjam of starts where he hits a rough patch and it kills his overall numbers. But when he's on, he's on. I mean, his K per nine was is is about nine on the year, so he strikes out a batter an inning for his career. Um, every single year, he's lowered his walks per nine, so that's one thing. When he first came up into the league, that was plaguing him from being what he could be. Um, but I see the slight improvements, and I think this is the year, if we have a year, that he's going to put it all together and he's going to show that he's a legit ace in this league, top 15 pitcher in this league. So um, on. And slates where he's pitching, I'm definitely going to look at him, especially in this division because it's very weak. Uh, so he's he's a guy I'm always going to look at to target. And this lineup behind him, um, the wins are going to come. Um, yeah, you got to love a guy. Any all these guys around 200 innings, 200 Ks. Uh, it's nice to have a guy like that at the top of the rotation. Yeah, and I think we've we've been hoping that the breakout was coming. I just think it's it's coming. It's definitely coming. But uh, you want to be in front of that breakout instead of behind it. And number two in the rotation is uh, Wiley veteran Jake Odorizzi. Made his made an all-star appearance last year. I think it was his first of his career. Um, big first half of the year. Second half, he faltered a bit, quite a bit. And he went back to like pretty much his career norms, um, an ERA over four in the second half. But he he's a guy who will get you some innings. Last year, he pitched only 159 innings and in 30 starts. Uh, he's never pitched more than 100. 87 innings in his in his career but um he's the last couple of years he's picked up his k rate last year was his highest of his career at 10.1 um and his but in his um, fip was 336 he's not he's not terrible but he's not a guy that i want as my number two starter and that's the only thing like i mentioned before that might hold this team back is this pitching uh i think they're going to trade for a pitcher and it will come out of their lineup i'll hit on that after but jake odorizzi is a pretty good veteran i would prefer him as my number three to four starter on a playoff team and not number two number number three in the rotation and they traded for kenta maeda uh, funny because they at first 
he was on the team and then they declined the trade. They didn't want um, it to go through anymore. And the, and Betts was up in the air. Is he still going to the Dodgers? But then they wound up, uh, the trade wound up going through and the Twins were still a part of it. But Kenta Maeda is a rock solid number three. He's 32 years old now. Uh, he has almost a, a 9.8 K9 for his career, almost 10. Um, his career FIP is 371. He's not a bad pitcher. He, he just needs to stay healthy. The last couple of years, he's had similarly nagging injuries that came and uh, derailed his momentum. He was been flipped since the Dodgers had such a, a vast majority of pitchers. He went from the rotation to the bullpen to back to the rotation, back to the bullpen. But this year they definitely need him in the, in as a starter. And he's, I think he's a, he's a guy that I'll target on the right slates because of his high K rate. And he has that lineup behind him, but he's not someone I'm definitely going to, um, pay up for if if he is a high price but i don't expect him to be too high of a price and he's he's a guy who is very steady when he when he's on we also get the edge with him of facing a new a new collection of hitters in the american league so hopefully he'll have a little edge early on in the season Mm -hmm. i mean he leaves the dodgers park which is pretty good for pitchers and he goes to the twins but i i like i just like this whole thing you're like you mentioned um outside the Dodgers is not a good division out there in the West for the last couple of years, but this, this is a really bad division here. So I like where he's going to, where he's going to pitch. And when he, when he's on and when he's healthy, he's, he's a pretty good starter. Uh, so he'll, he's, and especially in season long leagues, he's a guy I'll target late. But um, again, he's not anything special, but a very quality number three starter. And here's where it gets a little tricky, the number four and five. So number four is most likely going to be, Michael Pineda, but he is suspended for the first 30-plus games of the season. Uh, He served some of that suspension last year, but it's not over yet, and he's going to miss at least the first month of the season. Um, And that's for PED use. Sorry for anybody uh, that didn't know what that was for, but he got caught using an illegal drug. We won't get into that. But this guy's been a guy who's been a favorite of people to break out over the years, and he just hasn't had the chance he's been injured a lot that's a big thing a big part of his why he can't break out his injury history um, but when he's on he has been very uh, inconsistent and it's why it's why you can't always count on him because he's just so inconsistent but he's been a solid guy with decent k rate um, in the right slate i would look at him because he's not going to be going up against aces for the most part but he's just a guy to keep in the back pocket and he's going to help out this rotation when he does get back on the mound but Again, he needs to stay healthy first and foremost, and um, we'll see what he looks like when he comes back. Hopefully he's not out of shape, missing all that time. But he's definitely four when he comes back, but right now that's up in the air. And the number five starter is also up in the air because they also brought in Rich Hill from the Dodgers, two Dodger guys. Uh, Rich Hill is now 40 years old. He, <laughs> he, he had his big breakout in the MLB when he was 36, uh, the last – or 34, the last six years of his career, this guy has been really good. But again, another guy who just can't stay healthy. Blisters have been the thing that has derailed him um, and his momentum the last six years since he had that breakout on the A's and then got traded to the Dodgers. But this year he had elbow surgery. Um, This offseason, he wasn't supposed to be ready till June. So this delay is only helping him. He might be ready by the time the season starts. So that's a plus for them. Um, But again, he's 40 years old. But when he's healthy, he's a very dependable guy. He eats innings, and his K per nine over that last six years since that breakout is 10.5. Um, he has one of the best curveballs in the game, and that thing just drops, and that's why he's able to get – that's a one of the best out pitches in the game. There's not few people who have that 12-6 curve like he does. I would say 13-4 you because know, that thing just drops. <laughs> but um, we'll see how he looks he, with from that October elbow surgery because – as we know, there's not much going on right now. Uh, we don't know who's doing what in rehab, how their training regimen's going. So we'll see if that that's rusty for him when he comes back. But if he looks like he has when he's been healthy throughout the year, that's a great number four or five starter right there. Uh, he could potentially be their number two because he's been on when he's healthy. And hopefully he's over those blisters that have been plaguing him over the last couple of years. But um, with, while those two are mending, they have Homer Bailey – He's probably going to slot in that number four while if uh, Pineda and Rich Hill aren't there. Pin, uh, Homer Bailey's 34. The best I'll say, he's nothing special. Uh, I'm not ever going to target him. And he has some games where he'll be pretty good, but he's not some guy you're going to rely on. Nothing special there. And um, Santino, if you were him 
And let's let's go back to 2018 when he couldn't buy a win. He was one in in 14. He was giving up 1.9 homers per nine innings, and he's a pitcher. Do you think maybe you change your first name from Homer? (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, I would hope so. Or maybe he just liked doing it. Uh, Maybe he thought at one point I'll stop giving them up. But yeah, he's he's a veteran. He's he's there to eat innings right now until those two guys are healthy. But he's nothing special. Um, if you're targeting him, it has to be in the perfect matchup. Maybe mm-hmm. against the Royals, who was on the team last year, or a, I guess a quote-unquote revenge game. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not touching him in DFS if I yeah. if I can help it. Um, but there are other possible fifth starter, uh, Dobnak. This guy is a young 25-year-old. He only has nine games in the majors that came last year, five starts in Minnesota, but he rose through the system and he looks like a guy, especially since this rotation has a lot of question marks and injuries. He looks like a guy that possibly could stick around. Uh, He's not a big K guy, but he locates the ball extremely well. He does not walk people and he keeps the ball in the park. Um, Two things in DFS or in, in the game in general, if you want to be successful for the long haul and you don't have strikeout stuff, don't walk people. Don't give up free bases and keep the ball in the park. Um, that's all you can ask for for a guy. And this guy has shown throughout the minor leagues, I mean, he rose through it, that he can do that. Um, so he's a guy who I'm definitely going to look at on the right slate because of that. I know it's questionable since he's so young that he'll go deep into games, but um, he could easily get a win if he goes five innings with this lineup and he keep he keeps the runs off the board. And yeah, only only one home run given up last year in his 28 and a third innings. That's yeah. pretty impressive. So and even throughout his minor league uh, career, he barely gave up home runs, just at basically at the same rate. And his walk rate is under one two. Uh, that's just or one per nine. Mm-hmm. That's just awesome. So those those are guys I really like. Uh, you don't have to be the biggest strikeout guys to be very effective in this league, as long as you can locate the ball where you want it on the plate and uh, make the right pitches in the right cir- or circumstances. But uh, the last guy I talk about in the rotation is Dev, Dave Smeltzer. He came up last year with two mixed results. Um, I don't think he's going to crack the rotation because they have so many arms. But if there's injuries, again, uh, there's a lot of question marks with health here. He might get another chance. And he was one of their bigger prospects. So we'll see about that. Um, As far as the bullpen, it's a pretty good bullpen. So many guys with uh, closer experience. I'm assuming Taylor Rogers is going to stick as the closer again. He was very effective in that role last year. Trevor May is a question mark, but he was very effective last year. Sergio Romo has been a closer on multiple teams. Tyler Clippard has closer experience. Tyler Duffy's pretty solid. Fernando Romero has closer experience. Very veteran bullpen. Um, maybe not the sexiest names out there, but I, I like them. And if this, they can go six innings, they have a lot of guys that they can throw at you to get some outs there. So uh, I think if they have a lead and the bullpen comes in, very good chance that we get those wins for our starters in DFS. Excellent. Yeah, and um, that's it for the pitching staff. It's besides Berrios, Rich Hill, if he's if he's healthy and showing it, is number two, and then Meta would be three for me. Everybody else, depending on the matchup, um, I want to see Pineda put it all together, but again, huge question mark there. But now let's. Oh, did you want to throw in one there? No, I want to hear more about these hitters and these bombs. <laughs> yeah, so let's jump right into this lineup. This is going to be. One of the best lineups in the league again this year. Uh, we mentioned earlier they led the league in home runs by one over the Yankees, who also had a ton of injuries. Imagine the, imagine two of the most injured teams last year having over 300 home runs each. Which, wow, <laughs> that's all I can say about them is just wow. Uh, but this lineup, it's very hard to pinpoint who is going to bat where, except Nelson Cruz will be the three hitter. He was the majority. He batted in the three hole the majority of the year last year when he was healthy. Um, I'll start with him because. He is 39 years old. He's turning 40 in a couple months, maybe a month. He's the ageless wonder. There are some people that fall off when they hit an age. Albert Pujols was one of the best hitters I've ever seen um, at spraying the ball anywhere, power, regular hitting, whatever he did. He was one of the best hitters I've ever seen in my lifetime. But this guy, but he, when he hit a certain age, when he went to the Angels after that contract, he hasn't lived up to it. I know you and Andy talked about it the other day. But Nelson Cruz has gotten better with age. He was always injured on Texas. He never really got a full season there. Uh, he showed his power potential and big strikeout potential with that. But since he left the A's when he went to the 
the Orioles and then the Mariners and now in, and the Twins. This guy has just been hitting bombs. Last year, he slugged 41 home runs in only 121 games. 41. He almost hit. He hit his basic. He basically hit his age in home runs in 120 games. That's a home run over every three games. That's just incredible. Um, and he has, in the last six years, he has at least he has no season with less than 37 home runs or 93 RBIs. Uh, so you, if he, it's hard to say that he's going to do that again because he is getting up there in age, and at some point, age catches everybody. But until he shows it, I'm going to pencil him in again for another 30, 35 home runs and uh, 80 to 90 RBIs at the very least because he's showing that no matter what, he's he, he has that power. Uh, almost it's very hard for people to just um, – not very hard. It's very unseen that you see a power like this guy has uh, since he left Texas, and he's been able to stay healthier. Last year he did get hurt for – and he missed 42 games, but – uh, when he's in the lineup, he's monster. But with all that power comes great strikeout ability. Uh, <laughs> kind of paraphrasing the Spider-Man quote there. But he has a, been a high K guy throughout his whole career, and I don't expect that to change, especially as he's getting older. Uh, he's a free swinger. He swings at pretty much anything. But when he connects, he connects, and you're going to see that. Uh, funny thing is, the last two years, or no, no, the wrong guy, but uh, last year he was his highest OBP last year at 392 and, and highest OPS plus. Uh, so I don't know what to say, that, but this guy is not going anywhere, it looks like. Yeah, it's a shame he didn't get a full season last year. He got a, he yeah. would have gone well over 50 home runs. Yeah, he, I, I wouldn't have put it. He probably would have shattered that 44 home runs for his career high if he played 150 games. He, but he won the Silver Slugger at DH, even in 120 games, and he finished uh, ninth in the MVP voting. So he just showed when he was in the lineup, and he's not even playing defense, so he didn't get votes for the glove because he doesn't have one. But um, <laughs> Doesn't need it. Just batting gloves. It. Yep, <laughs> just batting gloves. But he's he's going to be my locked-in number three hitter. He's a righty, and that's, that's probably him and the number nine hitter, Byron Buxton, are the only two that I can say for sure is where they're going to bat. And I'll hit on Byron Buxton, former number one, prospect in the game uh, very good power speed guy he hasn't put it together yet but I know for my season long leagues this guy is on my team every year because I'm just waiting for him to put it together he has some stretches where it's just so tantalizing he's the fastest player in the game and his defense is already gold gloves every every year that he's played a majority of the year he's won a gold glove um, I think he's has a, a few of them already but he only played 87 games last year. He struggled through injury. But when he was healthy, he was right before he got injured. I was so sad. He was starting to put it together, and he was looking like the guy that people were hoping he would be or somewhat of the guy that people were hoping he'd be. But he does have that 30-30 potential if he can put it together. Um, and I think at some point it's going to, and if it doesn't, I'm going to keep paying up for him anyway because he's he's the guy that <laughs> <laughs> I see him running and I see the way he plays and he's just fearless. He's He gets hurt a lot because he runs into walls. He doesn't care about it. I know that's not the safest way and you don't want to invest in that in a game-to-game game -game basis, but he has upside to just through the roof and hopefully he hits that one day. But he's going to start in the nine hole because this team, one, is so deep and they don't need him up there, and two, it takes a lot of pressure off a guy that they really want to continue up the game. But he does help He, he does help this pitching staff with his incredible uh, gold glove caliber defense. But, yeah, number three and nine are the only two I can say for certainty that they're going to bat there. Um, then we'll hit who's the leadoff hitter. Oof. So it depends on who's on the mound. Is it, is it a righty? Is it a lefty? Um, Mitch or Max Kepler might get some at bats if a righty's on the mound, but I think Jorge Polanco might start at the leadoff hitter to begin the year. Well, we'll see how he goes. Last year he was a first-time All-Star. Polanco's a switch hitter. He had a breakout year with 22 home runs, 170 RBIs, 40 doubles uh, for a little guy. Awesome, 79 RBIs. Um, he had a 3.56 OBP. His career OBP is 3.40, so it's it, it's pretty good. And he batted 295 last year. His career is a 281 batting average. Pretty good leadoff hitter. His BABIP was only 328, so it wasn't crazy high. I can see his average and his OBP, if his, his eye gets a little better, uh, continue to stay where it is. But 
we have to see. I want to see it more. Again, I didn't expect a breakout year like that last year and an all-star appearance. So I'm not completely sold on him, but I think he gets the nod for what he did last year to get that opening day uh, number one spot. But he does. He only has a 17 uh, K rate, which is solid, and his ground ball to fly ball ratio is is about half, 0.53. I think he was much he was much better versus lefties than he was righties. So again, uh, if there's a righty. Maybe Max Kepler gets that number one. If there's lefty, Polanco gets the one. But a sneaky guy that I think will probably get the number one spot if he shows that he's just hitting like he's been throughout his minor league career and last year that he got called up is Luis Arias. Uh, this guy, only 23 years old, lefty batter. He's probably going to start the year at as a number eight hitter, but I think he could quickly find himself in that leadoff spot. And then if he does, he's not giving it back for years to come. Uh, this guy can flat out hit. He doesn't hit for power, um, but he he just hits. He hits the ball all over the field. He gets on base. Um, and like I said, I think it won't be too long if he shows that he's he's ready for it. And last year's uh, small cup of tea wasn't anything like was was real. He's going to take that number one spot and, and, and run away with it because he's a slap hitter who gets on base. He's not fast, but he reminds me of, uh, of DJ LeMahieu when he was on the Rockies, uh, a guy who – was just a career pretty much 290, 300 hitter every year since when he was on the Rockies. Doesn't have that power, but shouldn't bat anywhere other than one or two because he's going to be on base and you're going to drive him in, especially with the guys behind him who are going to hit the ball like they are going to hit. But I think he's going to take the number one spot sooner or later. Maybe Polanco takes two. It's very fluid. Um, but for me to start off the year, I think Josh Donaldson will probably bat in the two hole, maybe drop to the four hole. Uh, if Luis Arias has a very good opening month. And Josh Donaldson had two down years, injury-plagued years before last year. Uh, he was in the, he was an MVP before that, a couple years before that. But he was awesome, and he rebounded in a big way last year. 37 home runs, 32 doubles. Um, with a better, He showed with a better lineup in Atlanta that he could do that. And this year he's going to have that again. He's going to have so many people behind him that can kill the ball. He's going to see a lot of pitches. Uh, his OBP last year was 379. His career on base percentage is 369, so it's not an aberration. This guy gets on base. Uh, he, he had 100 walks last year. Only five people in the majors can say that. So his eye is still, even at 34 years old, his eye is still there. I think he's going to pr- provide similar numbers. I don't see a, a scenario, unless he's hurt, that he's not going to get 90 runs, 90 RBIs, uh, 30 home runs, and a 360 OBP. That's where I would put him at. Uh, I'm targeting him a lot. Especially whether he hits two or, or four, I'm targeting him a lot. Uh, two, he'll score more runs. Four, he'll get more RBI chances. If Nelson Cruz doesn't strike out or take them all before him, I kind of like him better at the number two hole. Um, yeah, so th- those guys, I think the only locks are three and nine, but um, I think Donaldson will probably stick at two for the most of the year. And the nice thing for Donaldson is, you know, we talk a lot about guys who are switching leagues having to make the adjustment, but this is a guy who's played all of his career in the AL mm-hmm. before he, before he went to Atlanta there briefly. So he's going to know all these pitchers that he's facing. Yeah. And uh, I think he's going to go up against worse pitchers. In my opinion, the, mm-hmm. we mentioned um, the Indians got rid of a lot of their starters. They went, Shane Bieber was their number five starter last year. He's going to be their ace this year. Uh, I think over mm-hmm. Carrasco. So it's just, I think uh, Josh Donaldson's a really good ball player. I uh, can't say anything bad about him. When he's healthy, he's good. Um, for and this again, this is where it gets tricky because these guys are going to flip flop throughout the lineup. Max Kepler's probably going to bat fifth because Donaldson or fourth, depending. I think he'll start the season at four, and then if Donaldson has to go back to uh, the four spot, Kepler probably five because Donaldson and Nelson Cruz are both right-handed hitters. I don't see them throwing a Sano there or Mitch Garver and have three straight righty, righty, righties. So Max Kepler's ideal, him or Eddie Rosario, ideal to break that up. I think Max Kepler gets the first number five spot, especially when a righty's on the mound. Um, Breakout 2019, another guy who hit over 30 home runs. He hit 36 with 90 RBIs and a 519 slugging percentage. Uh, This guy was pretty awesome. He improved across the board everywhere last year. But the one thing about him is he struggles against lefties. When when a lefty's on the mound and he is a lefty hitter, he's not going to sniff the top five um, spots in this lineup. Last year he batted 356 OBP, 
um, against righties. Or no, no, my bad. Uh, yeah, he had a 356 OBP against righties last year, but a 328 OBP against lefties last year. A 236 batting average and a 293 batting average. So when when there's lefties on the mound, I'm nervous for his potential, and I'm gonna definitely fade him. But when there's righties and there's majority of the pitchers are righties, he's a guy that uh, I'll look to target, especially he's a little cheaper than a Nelson Cruz. He's a little cheaper than a Josh Donaldson. Uh, so he's definitely with that well within your price ranges. And he had this, um, he had this the one thing about him though, is whether it was righty or lefty on the mound, he had the same slugging percentage. He wasn't getting enough hits uh, or seeing enough walks, but his slugging stayed the same with whoever's on the mound. So even if you did attack him against those guys, He's still providing pop, uh, depending no matter who's on the mound. And Santino, you, you mentioned the prices, and and you're right. In these simulations, Kepler's priced at 2,700, Donaldson's way up at 3,300, and Kepler actually averaged more fantasy points per game last year, at least on FanDuel, than Donaldson did. So at least against the uh, the right-handed pitchers, Kepler seems like a nice value compared to Donaldson. Yeah, um, definitely. Because you're you're paying up for more of the name value, mm-hmm. but when his splits are, when you want to attack him, is those splits? I'm gonna pay up for Donaldson if I can afford him. But Kepler just showed he he broke out onto the scene last year, and and like you said, if if I'm saving six hundred dollars and I can pay that up elsewhere, I'm, I'm that's a a guy I'm definitely gonna target right there. Um, after after Kepler in the lineup, I'm gonna throw out and say. Miguel Sano is going to bat there. Another righty. They, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to go lefty righty after that because they have they have Eddie Rosario, but I don't think they're going to go righty righty lefty lefty. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, even Mitch Garver could be a possible potential uh, guy there, but I like Miguel Sano. And last year he finally put it together. He was uh he was pretty much like a Byron Buxton, not a top, not the top prospect in the game a couple years ago, but a top five prospect in the game right on. Right on the Buxton, right on Buxton's tail. Uh, these two guys were supposed to be the face of the franchise and bring them back to glory for years to come. He struggled with injuries throughout his career. Uh, one thing that he's done, he struggled through weight issues throughout his career. Um, he is probably the strongest pound-for-pound guy in the major leagues. I, uh, if if you know anybody who's stronger than them, I will challenge that because this guy is just massive specimen and he can hit the ball out of the park with with anything. Uh, but last year, he only played in 105 games. Uh, again, he struggled with injuries. He played a little bit of minor league ball to get back up together, um, swing back down. Uh, he was switching positions around the last couple of years. He's going to switch again to first base this year to accommodate to accommodate Josh Donaldson. But this guy has massive power potential. He hit 34 home runs last year in 105 games. Um, he had 79 RBIs. And if you look throughout his career, you might say, oh, I don't know if he'll do that again. But his power coming up, he has prodigious power, and that was one thing that he had coming up that is not going to leave him. Uh, he finally took some walks last year. He he had a 346 OBP, was pretty good. It was close to a little less than his all-star season when he hit 28 home runs um, a couple years ago, but his slugging was 576. Uh, OPS was 923. I expect a healthy Sano and an in-shape Sano to do this for pretty much his career. 30 home runs should be the norm for this guy. 90 RBIs. He's just a powerful, powerful human being, and I can't stress that enough. <laughs> Santino, and, it sounds like Zion. If Zion uh, were yeah. a baseball player, because Sano is listed at 6'4", 272. Yeah, he's and, massive. I mean, it's like, can you imagine if Zion would, would funnel his power <laughs> uh, with a bat against a baseball? It's The way you describe Sano is very, it's, you know, it's just reminiscent of yeah. uh of the power of Zion. Pretty much. Uh, it's a good comparison there. He's not the athletic specimen that mm-hmm. Zion is, but <laughs> this guy is just a powerful human being. Um, and I expect it to continue. He's much better, kind of like Max Kepler. He's much better against lefties than he is righties, mm-hmm. but he still, his, his slugging is going to be, is through the roof between both of them. And if he can stay healthy, stay in shape, stay focused, that's the one knock on him. Can he stay in shape and stay focused? I expect big things from this guy continuing when you continue to move forward. He's only going to be 27, so he's just hitting that peak. Um, and I expect him to 
he's probably uh, besides Nelson Cruz, I think he'll lead the team in home runs if he stays and plays a full year. That's how good this guy is. On a team that led the league in home runs last year, I think he's going to be number one on that if he can just stay healthy and uh, stay in shape. I'll keep saying that because it's something that's been dogging him. But after him, I think they go back to a lefty again and keep that lefty-righty switch in there uh, with Eddie Rosario, another guy who hit over 30 home runs. If you haven't noticed by now, pretty much everybody on this team hits over 30 home runs. Um, he doesn't walk a lot. That's the one thing about Eddie Rosario. That's his knock. He does not walk at all. Um, his his batting average and his OBP are pretty much the same because he just doesn't walk. Um, he, had a, he had 109 RBIs last year. And he had a career high 470, or his career slugging is 479. He's a really good guy. I expect another 30 home runs, um, probably 90 plus RBIs, depending on where he's going to hit in the lineup, because there's so many fluid moving guys out here. But I mentioned it before that this team needs pitchers. They need pitchers that can stay healthy and, and reliable pitchers. And Eddie Rosario is the guy that I think that they might dangle in trade talks. He's on an expiring contract, very good cheap young player uh, he's only 27 and he has a he's a really good career ahead of him he's probably one of the best players in this division and he's batting in this i have him in the six seven hole um but i think if they're going for a pitching they're going to dangle him because his name's going to be um they're not they don't have him cost control for a while and he's going to fetch back a good pitching prospect maybe a major league ready guy right now uh, maybe a number three four starter probably but he's a name that i would see floating around around the deadline i wouldn't be surprised if their lineup is killing it as they expect them to be that he's floated around if they need pitching um and after him is the last guy in the lineup or not the last guy because we hit eight and nine but mitch garver man oof he came out of nowhere last year i wonder how many oh yeah another guy who hit 30 home runs jesus this whole team could have 30 home run potential besides Ariza and Polanco um, but this guy was in the analytics love Mitch Garver uh, I know he's he's barely new he's new on the MLB scene but throughout his minor league career the analytics love this guy but this power came out of nowhere I don't know if if it was just in the air in Minnesota or something because it seemed like anybody who was at bat could hit 30 home runs but the, the these 31 bombs were extremely unexpected and again he only hit, he hit them in 93 games I think Cruz, Sano, um, Garver, these guys hit 30 home runs in in a third or, or not even a half a season, a little over a half a season. It's crazy. Um, but we'll see if this can continue. He's much better versus righties than he is lefties, and he is a righty, which is weird. But we'll see if it continue. He's going to be 29. And if I'm paying for a catcher, I want a guy who has 30 home run potential in a lineup like this, um, even if he doesn't hit a home run, if he hit, gets a hit probably going to be an RBI and I expect his OBP to be around 350. He's going to be one of the most expensive catchers in the, in DFS, but you know what you're in a lot of the, the catcher catcher in today's game is pretty barren. So if I'm going to pay up for a catcher spot, I want someone who can actually produce more than a zero. So I'm definitely going to look at him. Yeah. And, and you mentioned how Minnesota likes to move their batters around and, and there's a lot of uncertainty with the batting order and Garver's a perf- perfect example. Last year, he led off 25 times. He batted fifth 19 times. And you mentioned his high OBP. That's one of the reasons why they're, they're comfortable batting him lead off occasionally. Um, so it's like the, the versatility of this team and the fact that they have so many guys who hit over 30 homers that, uh, as you mentioned, they could potentially dangle Rosario as a uh, trade bait. Because hey, it's only it's just another 30 home run here. Yeah. Who cares? We got them right. all up and down the lineup. And then they have uh, Marwin Gonzalez on the bench who plays everywhere. So if they did need somebody, he plays literally every position but catcher. And their two top prospects, one's a shortstop, Royce Lewis, who's probably going to see the majors this year. Uh, and their second top prospect, another top 30 prospect, Alex Kirilov, uh, outfielder, first baseman. If they trade a Rosario, he can, they can easily bring him up, bat him ninth. But they have so many options on this team. And like you said, uh, you don't, it's not every day you see a catcher batting leadoff because uh, everybody else on this team hits for power. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's one of those lineups that you're definitely going to want to pay for, especially against the bad pitcher, because any one of these guys could hit a home run on any given day. 
And the one that can't is Luis Arias. And this dude is just a flat-out hitter um, in the mold of, like I mentioned, DJ LeMayu. This guy can just hit the ball, and he's going to be on base. So I, I love this lineup. Man, there is a lot to love about this team. No doubt about it. Well, um, any final thoughts, or shall we transition to the Royals? Um, no. I mean, this is a team that everyone should be targeting in DFS, um, especially on the right slate. And there's not, not much more you can say about it. A team that's at this very talented and this deep. Excellent. All right. Well, since you have your uh, Dolphins gear on, <laughs> <laughs> I got to pull out my Kansas City Royals 2015 championship World Series winning shirt. I like it. To, to go along with this crown. Believe it or not, I am a lifelong Royals fan in addition oh. to the Red Sox. All-time favorite player, George Brett. So as as difficult as it is to talk about the fact that Kansas City only won 59 games last year, yeah, I don't I don't mind the assignment uh, <laughs> b- being a Royals fan. Yeah, they're probably uh, I'd put the over under on this year at 59 again. Well, it's funny. One of the articles I read was um, a discussion about how Dayton Moore and, and Mike Matheny, the new manager. They don't really want to use the word rebuilding anymore, and they want to you know, push back towards let's win as many games as we can. And it was just funny in the article talking about what are the odds that they'll creep towards 70 wins this year? <laughs> like it's baby steps for these guys. Yeah. Um, you know, um, pitching staff just not very strong at all. And, you know, some bright spots in the order – but more guys that are really hitting 20 home runs plus, not 30 plus, like your twins. Yeah, yeah, um, they're 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 one through four, five maybe, pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the fastest people in the league. But besides that, it's just fish in a barrel. You're hoping for something. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's start with the rotation um, because I'll feel a little bit better if we finish with the hitters. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, potential opening day starter would be Danny Duffy, uh, one of the veterans here in his early 30s. A little banged up last year, only got 23 starts. But, you know, it, it's just rough here. We're talking about a potential opening day starter with a 5.38 ERA, ERA last year. Um, not good. But the one bright spot, bright spot is he's off to a good start in spring. He had six scoreless innings so far this year with nine strikeouts. So, um, hey, we'll take it if we can get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two man in the rotation, likely Brad Keller. And he was uh, probably the most reliable starter for Kansas City last year. Got 28 starts and an, an actual respectable ERA of 4.19. Big news for him is he's working on a curveball. He's been struggling to find an off-speed pitch and... This is what he's going to use instead of a, a changeup to get a change of pace and and try to keep batters um, off balance. So that'll that'll be something to watch. And he certainly struggled in spring training with an ERA of over 14 <laughs> in only only six and two thirds. So uh, rough going so far as he tries to incorporate the new pitch. If that pitch can be an out pitch, because the one he's a pretty good pitcher. He's a he doesn't blow you away. He has decent stuff. Probably a mid threes high threes era i would expect but he doesn't strike out people so that's one thing that for dfs purposes especially on a bad team is hard to recommend but if he if that curveball can turn into an out pitch for him um he he he's, gets a little bit more of a guy that i might look at in the right matchup mm-hmm. yeah you're right only 6.6 strikeouts per nine and the one positive i can give uh in terms of whether to attack him with hitters. He only gave up 0.8 home runs per nine innings last year. So uh, he did a pretty good job of keeping the ball in the bar in the ballpark. But from here on out for the rest of this rotation, it's time to giddy, <laughs> giddy up and start stacking. All right. Uh, yeah. The next, the next three guys, three to four guys, uh, they, they like to give up the long ball. Let's go with Jacob Junis next. Um, piled up 14 losses in his 31 starts last year a little bit better with the strikeouts <clears throat> excuse me gives you 8.4 per nine innings but 1.6 homers per nine 
So uh, there's a guy to attack. Yeah. I, I kind of like Jacob Junis. Uh, he had some stretches where he was pretty good last year. But like you mentioned, he could strike out the side in one inning and the next inning – the wheels fall off, and you look at your score and like, oh, he just gave up four runs. What happened? Uh, two home runs. It's just he's one of those guys who is very inconsistent from inning to inning. If you could put that together and keep the ball in the park, he could be pretty good. Next, we've got Mike Montgomery, a lefty. Um, spent some time with the Cubs, and once he came to Kansas City, that's when he, he got back to the starting rotation. He started 13 games. For Kansas City, he didn't uh, he didn't make any starts for the Cubs, uh, but he gives up home runs as well. He gave up 1.8 per nine innings last year. Uh, not a very good start to the spring as he's transitioning back into that starter starter role. So, sort of what you'd expect for a fourth starter on a team that lost over 100 games last year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he doesn't strike out too many people either. So he's he's decent, but I. Again, you're gonna you're gonna target against these guys. Yeah, you're right. Six point eight per nine last uh, last year, and it's strange to have an entire group of potential starting pitchers, and none of them averaged even nine strikeouts per nine. So uh, they just don't overpower you, which is pretty rare in, in today's mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And then rounding out the rotation, I'm gonna give a give two possibilities here. Jorge, Jorge Lopez. 27-year-old righty. Uh, he started 18 games for Kansas City last year. He gave up two home runs per nine. So it's the theme. <laughs> it, it's the theme. It, it continues. Um, whoever they slot in here at the back end of the rotation are gonna they're gonna have a target on their back in DFS for sure. The other candidate potentially would be Glenn Sparkman who did start 23 games for the Royals last year, also averaged giving up two homers per nine. He had a little, He's had a little bit better start to the spring, uh, 1.08 ERA and eight and a third, and he did strike out 12. But last year he only struck out 5.5, 5.4 per nine innings. So bottom line here is, uh, Santino, should we just attack all these guys on, uh, on, a, reg- on a regular basis? Yeah. Um, I know you meant – Keller and Duffy, like you mentioned, are probably the more reliable guys. You're still going to target them in the right matchup. Mm-hmm. But um, these last four or five guys, whoever's pitching, it's just you don't if you don't strike people out and you give up a lot of home runs like this, I mean, that's what you're asking for. That's where you want your people to go. But if I'm if I see the twins facing any of these guys who just hit home runs at a everybody does it, that's where I'm stacking too. It's crazy. As for the bullpen, uh, I'll just mention a couple guys. Ian Kennedy was decent in terms of picking up some saves last year, and now they've got two veterans who they've added this year who have a history of closing up ball games. Greg Holland, who spent a lot of time with the Royals early in his career, uh, he's ha- he has over 200 career saves. He's back in town. And then Trevor Rosenthal, a guy who can hit triple digits on the radar gun, uh, 121 career saves. He's back in town. So, uh, Santino, if I'm a Royals fan, can I have a little bit of hope that Kansas City will be better at uh, closing games this year? Because they, I know they blew a lot of a lot of leads last year. Yeah, I, I like their bullpen a lot better than their starters. Uh, Ian Kennedy was actually pretty effective in in the closer role last year. Uh, some some hiccups at, initially, but he settled into that. That was the first time he's ever went from a starter to a closer like that. Uh, and, he, and he went he went from to the bullpen and then immediately took the closer job real quickly. Uh, but I, I think he's a pretty good option. And Greg Holland and Trevor Rosenthal have been there, done that. So they can stabilize this bullpen. I'm more excited about the bullpen if, if the starters can get that far than I am about the starters. Uh, but one thing about these Royals is that they do have a farm system full of starting pitching and outfielding and – um, I'm assuming even if they're not ready, these guys are going to have to be ready this year, get their first cup of tea, because this team, this uh, pitching staff doesn't look like it's going to stick around all year. Yeah, I know Brady Singer is one of those guys, and he talks like a guy who expects to be up soon and is he's sort of looking at um, potential starts of the season in AAA as just part of the process, just a matter of time before he gets up there. And as we described with these weak 
pitchers at the end of the rotation. Um, I mean, odds are he'll be up there sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, if they want to keep him down for a little bit for uh, contract purposes, mm-hmm. buy some time. That's that's the only thing you, you'd expect. But, yeah, he should be up fairly soon. And there's a few guys behind him that should definitely see the majors this year, uh, if very latest next year. All right. Well, I'm going to get depressed if we don't start talking about these hitters, <laughs> if we keep talking about these pitchers. So um, let's look at these batters. And it's fun to start with a guy like Whit Merrifield, who – Led the league in hits last year, 206, uh, got 681 at-bats, so just very reliable, hit over 300. Uh, he's generally at a fair price tag in DFS, um, somebody who you can you can count on to, again, like you mentioned earlier, avoid that zero, guys just on base consistently. Yeah. And one of the magic numbers for the Royals um, – and a number that kind of brings me back to the heyday of, of the 80s and 90s, where along with George Brett, you had some guys with some speed like uh, Willie Wilson and Hal McRae, guys who, who could hit the ball in the gap, the big gaps of Kauffman Stadium and, and, and leg out triples. And last year, did you know that Whit Merrifield, Mondesi and Hunter Dozier, Dozier they all hit exactly 10 triples to yeah, lead the led, league? They all led the league, which is crazy. That's this the the like we mentioned the first couple people in this order are really really good and I think Whit Merrifield's the best of the bunch I know he doesn't have the power upside as a guy you'll get to in a few minutes but you mentioned it he he led the league in hits last year he actually led the league in hits in 2018 as well uh, which is awesome he led the league in triples also caught stealing last year but and this guy has back to back seasons of 40 plus doubles he's he's a prototypical really good hitter he doesn't have the power but First-time All-Star. He's one of the fastest guys in the league, him and Mondesi. They're very exciting at the top of the order. Yeah, it's un, you know, getting back to the triples, it's, it's unfortunate that, um, you know, the standings aren't based on hitting triples. <laughs> <laughs> then the Royals would have a chance. It'd be awesome. Um, and another thing about Mirafield, the guy can play everywhere in, in the field, on the field. And just another reason why I really like a guy like that. Yeah, it sounds like they'll have him in in center field a lot this year, um, and then get him back at the get him back at second base occasionally. Um, but bottom line is he'll be he'll be leading off and uh, he'll be somewhat reliable. Next, we do have Adalberto Mondesi, son of Raúl, and this guy's got some speed. No wonder he had ten triples. He had forty three stolen bases, uh, and he didn't even play a full season. He only got four hundred and fifteen at bats. Now, one piece of news with him is he did have uh, surgery on his left labrum in October, and he should be good to go once we get started. But that is significant, uh, really, for any ball player. I actually had my – I had a torn labrum when I was playing in college, and I had surgery on it. And it was my right labrum, and so as a left-handed hitter, it was my front shoulder – uh, so with Montessi being a switch hitter, it's it'll be his front shoulder when he's hitting righty. And his power numbers were down a little bit. I do think there's a chance he'll get his power back now that he's had the surgery uh, and he's had plenty of time to rehab it. Because I know that when I was doing my uh, rehab on my labrum, I did so many little exercises with all these different devices to strengthen all those tiny muscles in your shoulder, which are so important as a baseball player. So I think there's a chance that we might get a little bit more uh, power production out of Montessi this year. Yeah, I hope. And speaking of labrums, I know I tore mine too a couple of times. Did you? Uh, I guess it's, it's what we're doing in this podcast right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I hope he gets some, a little more power. And like you mentioned, this guy can steal. I led, he was second in the league in steals last year and he didn't play a full season. Uh, one thing he does too much, and this is why he can't bat leadoff right now. I know he's only 24, so hopefully his eye improves, but he K's way too much. Too many strikeouts for a guy that you want to bat leadoff, and he doesn't walk. He, I don't know what, what – he just doesn't walk. I think – I was looking, his walk walk rate is 4.3%, and the MLB average, that's including all the anyone who's even good or – halfway decent or really bad is 8.4. So he's half of the MLB average in walk rate. Uh, something that he's going to have to fix because you want this guy on base. Anytime he's on base, he's a threat to steal second and third. You know, maybe he's beginning 
taking too much advice from Salvador Perez, who <laughs> Perez only walked another seven, guy who doesn't walk. Yeah, seventeen times in 2018 in over 500 at bats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> comes out swinging. <laughs> so, yeah, he does. Uh, let's jump to the number three hitter, who's likely to be Hunter Dozier, guy who's pushing for 30 home runs last year with 26. Um, but I'm expecting some good things out of him with that confidence of, okay, I'm a, I'm a regular player now. I've shown that I've got the power, and, and now I'm going to target 30 home runs. He slugged well over 500 last year. As we mentioned, he was one of those guys who hit 10 triples. Um, he's a little bit overpriced in, in DFS right now in terms of the simulations, but um, certainly would be a candidate if you were going to try to build a stack on the Royals against a weak pitcher that he'd be he'd be part of that stack yeah and he's gonna play outfield predominantly this year but another guy who can play multiple positions a very very nice breakout last year like you mentioned um i hope it can continue and he's just another guy in this lineup that i would look to attack uh before it gets the big drop-offs right (laughs) thankfully but behind him we're gonna have jorge soler who is a real bright spot for the Royals and their fan base led the league with 48 home runs, unfortunately led the league with 178 strikeouts too. So that's a bit of a, um, of a negative theme for this, for this lineup, but played every day, 162 games, OPS over 900 and, uh, you know, decent price for a big slugger like that. 3,300 in these simulations, um, so, again, a guy who certainly would be part of a, any stack that I build with the Royals, he's going to be a leading candidate to be in there. Yeah, he's a, an, one of the guys who came from Cuba a couple of years ago, uh, right when Puig made his burst onto the scene. Uh, I, like, I, I follow the Cubs a lot, and this guy was always going to be the future of the Cubs, they thought, or one of the futures of the Cubs. It never panned out. He was always hurt. I'm glad he finally got a full year last year, his first of his career. And he showed that massive power potential that he was showing um, when he was playing in Cuba and his short spurts when he had to go to the minor leagues. But he was always a guy who people thought was going to hit 30 home runs every year. He just never panned out. And then last year, he he showed it, 48 home runs. um, Strikes out a lot, like he said, doesn't walk much. But that power potential is real, and I expect it to stick around. Absolutely. Well, next, uh, we've got the guy who's still hanging around another <laughs> year, Alex Gordon, the 36-year-old who spent his entire career with the Royals, uh, not going to go anywhere else. He wants to end it where he started. And, um, you know, he's he's unfortunately, his defense really seems to be more important right now than his offense. Only batted 266 last year, did get you 13 home runs. Um, doesn't have any any real speed on the base paths for an outfielder. Um, he did get hit by 19 pitches last year, so <laughs> um, you know more of a target on FanDuel where you get that uh, you get three points for that. Um, but just uh, doesn't produce too much. Um, really, you, can, you really can't expect too much out of him for DFS. Yeah, he, he's just an old guy, an old veteran. Uh, Three straight gold gloves, like you mentioned, very good on defense. Clubhouse guy. People love him on the team and want him around. But for DFS, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You had a good (laughs) career, but uh, I'm not going to touch you. Yeah, we don't get any bonus points for diving catches in left field, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and and great uh, throwdowns at the plate. Right. Next, we've uh, we've got Salvador Perez, who's coming back after the Tommy John and interesting listening to Mike Matheny talk about getting Salvador Perez back up and running and talks about limiting his throws as a catcher, which is just something you don't usually hear, right? It's all Tommy John for, for the pitchers, and you talk about those guys building up their stamina. But he's he's watching the reps for Perez here, or he was in spring training. And certainly Matheny, former catcher himself, will know how to protect Salvador Perez because his, his goal is to get him in the lineup as much as possible, get him behind the plate, uh, try to get the best out of this pitching staff. Uh, in terms of hitting, uh, in Perez's last full year in 18, he did give you 27 home runs, um, but the on-base was only 274 because of that lack of 
patience. He swings at everything. <laughs> <laughs> he swings at everything. Um, but good to see him back on the field. They, they think he's ready to roll. He, he does have one home run in spring. So that'll yeah. be big for the Royals if he's back out there. I think uh, two interesting things on him is they, they did say they wanted to get him in the lineup a lot. And um, if they don't want him to throw, I, th- they, I think they said they want to play him at DH a little more, which would put Soler in the outfield and probably Dozier at first base. So that's something to keep an eye on. I'd probably want him bet more if he's um, as a DH on those days. But this guy, was a he's a four-time Gold Glove winner, was making the All-Star every year because of his defense. Mm-hmm. And um, that's going to be interesting. It's going to hurt them if he can't play every day like that. And the most interesting stat I had on him was the last two years – He's played exactly, besides last year because of the Tommy John, 2017 and 18, he played exactly 129 games each. He had exactly 80 RBIs each and exactly 27 home runs each. It's weird how some people, like I remember you, you mentioned the other day, Chris Davis, his batting right. average stays the same every year. It's, it's weird. 247, four years in a row. <laughs> I don't know how you could do that. Um but sometimes when you see it that much, you just pencil in, okay, 247, that's what he's hitting. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I saw that on Perez. I'm glad you mentioned it. So if if they do that rotation, uh, like you mentioned, then one guy who will be affected will be the next guy, Ryan O'Hearn, who's likely to play first against righties. Uh, really unfortunate batting average last year, 195. <laughs> uh, he gave you 14 home runs. In 328 at-bats, kind of surprising because the year before he, he had 12 home runs and only 100 and just under 150 at-bats. So um, let's see if he can get that power stroke back. Fortunately, he was off to a hot start in spring. Get this, 343 with five home runs. He knocked in nine. He was 12 for 35. So um, let's just hope that he can ride that that confidence into the regular season. Yeah, if if you're playing him, you're pretty much hoping for a home run. He's a guy who walks a pretty good amount. He's decent. Um, he has pretty decent pop, but he strikes out pretty much every game in his career, <laughs> minor league career, major league career. He strikes out like once a game, which is uh, it's a theme with this team. They strike out a lot. Next, we've got uh, Michael Franco coming over from Philly to play third base. And, you know, decent power guy for the bottom of the lineup. 17 home runs last year, slugged over 400. Um, you know, as Coach talked about, it is it is hard to invest in a guy at the bottom of the lineup in, in DFS. Um, so I, I doubt I'll target him much. Um, what, what are your thoughts on Franco? Um, it's, it's hard. He, he was a former top prospect for the Phillies. Uh, he has big power potential, never hit it. Sometimes, kind of like Solier, sometimes you just need a change of scenery. And I'm not expecting huge things out of him, but if he puts something together, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, he would. He's a guy that I'll play on the right slate, and if he's looking like he's improving, I'll look at. But again, sometimes just former prospects just don't get it on their initial team, and they a change of scenery is huge, and hopefully that works out for him. We'll, we'll see. Well, the next three guys I'm going to mention all made their big league debut last year for the Royals. Batting ninth, we've got Nicky Lopez, second baseman. Um, he came up in May, ended up getting almost 380 at-bats, but he only batted 240 with two home runs. Um, so not not going to invest in him. He, did, he, he was batting 360 this spring, so um, that's encouraging for the Royals fans again, but I'd have to wait and see some real production in the regular season before I invested in him. And then two guys I want to mention off the bench, uh, Ryan McBroom, first baseman outfielder. And he, he was called up in, in September. He only got 75 at bats, did not hit any home runs, but in triple a last year, he hit 315 with 26 home runs and 66 knocked in. So, this guy does have some power and could be an under the radar guy when he does get a start. Uh, you know, maybe he'll he'll put it together this year and, and show some pop. Yeah. Final guy I'll mention is Bubba Starling, who uh, will see some time in the outfield. 
another guy who did not perform very well last year, just batted 215 after being called up in July. But he also, you know, he batted 310 in Omaha uh, in about half a season, seven homers and 38 RBI. Another guy who's off to a good start in spring, 367 with three homers. So, you know, uh, with these guys at the bottom of the order who in general you're not going to expect to do too much, um, it's going to be a wait-and-see approach for me to see how the first month or two goes and see if one of these guys can um, start to make a, a, a name for himself, uh, get into a bit of a groove so that we, you know, maybe he's one guy we want to add to the stack. You know, if we're going to stack up Merrifield and either Dozier or Solaire and then maybe get a guy in that six, seven, eight range um, to get a lone stack, then, you know, maybe they would fit in eventually. Yeah. Uh, pretty much what you said, like these, you're not really targeting these guys right now, but if they show uh, consistency and they show that they're hitting, uh, maybe you look at them and uh, there's the two outfielders that you said, McBroom and Starling, they don't have a job right now, but Whit Mirafield can play anywhere on the field. So if Nicky Lopez or O'Hearn's not playing, uh, so can Hunter Dozier. He plays both corner spots and, and corner outfields. So if, if Lopez or O'Hearn or someone else isn't hitting, they can easily switch out those those guys' defensive positions and get them in the lineup if they are hitting. Excellent. Well, uh, Santino, I think we have we've completed the coverage here of the Twins and Royals. Mm-hmm. Um, any other final thoughts here as we wrap up this wonderful week of of Tua? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just very happy about the Tua thing. Um, I've never been this happy about the NFL season in ever. But uh, yeah, these two guys, these two teams, Twins and Royals are pretty much the tale of two tapes. One team we're expecting to stack a lot uh, and, and ride those home runs in the division crown, probably taking uh, your crown up there. <laughs> no, you and, can't have it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other team, we're really not touching unless it's very good circumstances. I was just checking the schedule and, uh, the the rest of our team is going to continue the AL Central talk AL Central talk tomorrow with the Tigers and the Indians. So another uh, another uh, exciting Tiger talk. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger talk on DFS Coach Talk. So uh, do t- tune in for that tomorrow. Uh, thank you all for listening. On behalf of, of Santino Cocon, I am Andrew Hansen, and you've been listening to DFS Coach Talk. So-